0: Now, if you know Randy, you realize what a tremendous sacrifice he just did in <laughs> not singing the third verse and the chorus a couple times. But he did it out of love for me, and I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. We're moving. We're moving. <laughs> We do have a couple of announcements that I want to bring to your attention before we get into the lesson for today. It's good to see all of you, and if you're visiting with us, we're especially pleased that you're here. Uh, on December 23rd, next Sunday evening, it's not officially formally Christmas Eve, but it's when we're going to be celebrating it. Uh, from 6 to 8, we'll have an activity here. It will be bilingual. Our children will be singing, and so we invite all of you to, uh, if you're available, to make it a point to come, and then this still gives you... Traditional Noche Buena uh, to pass uh, to to to, uh, to enjoy with your family, and then on uh, January second, which is a Wednesday evening, uh, we'll be celebrating as well here. This will be outside, out back at the pavilion, and uh, this will be from five to eight, and we'll have uh, hot dogs, bonfire, popcorn, and a movie. If nothing else, you need to come just to see our our, our new uh, 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 screen. Uh, it's a fourteen foot inflatable screen made especially for movies, so it's worth it just to show up for that. So uh, if all you do is just show up, look at it, and then go, that's fine. But, uh, but please come by if you're able to and uh, enjoy that time. And then uh, Carlos asked me to make one last announcement. Um, today, after the assembly, there's a meeting of all parents in the uh, library, the school library, and so uh, we invite all the parents of uh, high school students and middle school students to participate in that meeting. You shouldn't have already. You should have already gotten notice, but in case it slipped your mind, uh, today is that meeting. W- when the average person thinks about Christmas, what do they think about? Well, a, a lot of people will think about uh, Santa Claus. They'll think about gifts. You might think about it, Christmas trees, lights, food, parties. Oh yeah, and that thing about Jesus in the manger. That that's there too, right? You know, church-going people have been fighting hard to keep Christ in Christmas, and they resist the common trend of saying happy holidays, and they, with a little bit of vim and vigor, sometimes a little bit of vinegar, say Merry Christmas. Well, another word that I think is actually a much better word is the word advent. It's not quite as used, and it hasn't gotten to a point where it's gotten commercialized, to the point that it's been hijacked like Christmas has been by our capitalist society. Advent comes from a Latin word which means the coming. And since the 300s, it's been used to refer to three different comings of Jesus. Uh, Initially, it was used to refer to the coming of Jesus as a baby in the manger, Bethlehem. That's the most traditional time of Advent, is that period leading up to his arrival, to his coming. The second way it's used is as Christians wait for the return of Jesus, and it ends up being the translation of the Greek word parousia, which refers to the return or the second coming of Jesus. I'm going to hold off on the third meeting right for now. I'll show that a little bit later. But Advent begins. This process of waiting for Jesus' arrival begins in the dark. Fleming Rutledge has written quite a bit about this idea. And when you think about it, Christmas takes place in the dark, doesn't it? I mean, we put our kids to bed, we nestle them in with Visions of sugar plums or however the uh, night before Christmas goes. We tell them they have to stay asleep until at least past three in the morning. And the older we get, it seems the earlier they wake up. And, but you can tell when they're awake because of the squeals and the shouting and then the coming up and the shaking. Look what Santa Claus brought me. But it happens at night, it happens in the dark where no one can see Santa Claus's sleigh, his magical reindeer. So Advent and this Christmas arrival happens in the dark. Now, I'm using darkness as a metaphor for any number of situations that can affect us because darkness takes many forms. On a global scale, we see darkness... Whenever there is violence between countries or individuals, when we hear of famine and shortages of food and drinking and drinkable water, we see and sense the darkness closing in. Whenever we read or experience some sense of injustice in our world, the darkness closes in. And then it happens on a personal level, I think sickness death conflict divorce loneliness all manifestations of of darkness and then to even dig a little bit further and get a little bit more personal i know some of you are struggling with an illness or a condition that won't get better and won't go away and there's some of us who are caring for someone who is chronically or terminally ill And at times the weight of being a caregiver is just more than we seem to be able to bear. I know some of you have lost jobs and lost revenues, lost houses. Others are hoping against hope that their immigration status can get resolved and they'll be able to stay with their children in this country. And then others are experiencing high levels of conflict within their families, either in their marriages or with their exes, their children, parents, and other family members. And still others are struggling with some sort of addiction or some sort of behavior that seems to have them in a stranglehold and a death grip. Well, we're we're all walking (laughs) and living with darkness all around us. But, you know, it's not only the darkness out there that concerns me, it's the darkness in here. And so we try to mask the odor of darkness with air fresheners and candles. We try, now to try to drown out the sound of darkness with cheerful music, and we try and disguise the darkness within us by putting on a happy face. But the darkness is still there. Now, right about now is where you might be thinking... Dude, what a downer. Quit bumming us out. I mean, it's Christmas time, right? For real. <laughs> well, I think part of our tension is that we don't really see much benefit to this darkness. What good can it serve? Just get it over fast. We don't like waiting, and especially waiting in darkness. In 2014, Hector Tobar wrote a book, entitled Deep Dark Down. And Ector was one of the miners that was trapped, the Chilean miners that was trapped 2,000 feet below the surface for 69 days. Two months. Darkness. They had to live in the dark, almost no food. They were cut off from the rest of the world. They had no guarantee that they would ever see light again. So many of the miners, face to face with imminent death, took stock of their lives and realized that they had a lot of regrets. They had really messed up. These are miners, and if you know anything about miners without being judgmental, it's a rough lot. So somebody asked Jose Enriquez, who was a Christian, if he would pray for everyone. So he got down on his knees there in the dark, and some of the other miners joined him, and he began to talk to God. We we aren't the best men, Lord, but have pity on us. Then he got very personal and specific. He says, uh, Victor Segovia knows that he drinks too much. (laughs) Uh, Victor Samora is too quick to anger. Oh, yeah, and Pedro Cortez thinks about the poor father he's been to his young daughter. And he begins calling them out. (laughs) And no one objected. And it was actually the beginning of something extremely special. In that deep, dark down, buried under the earth, death staring them at their face, the men got real before God and with each other. They met every day to eat a very meager meal. Sometimes they just had a few crackers, and they tried to divvy up, and you would get one piece of cracker, and that was your meal for the day. But they would pray. And the prayers that were heard were things like, God, forgive me for the violence of my voice before my wife and son. Or, God, forgive me for abusing the temple of my body with drugs. They confessed to one another, I'm sorry I raised my voice. Or, I'm sorry I didn't help get the water. Well, all that was happening in this darkness 2,000 feet under the surface of the earth. Above... A rescue effort was taking place. And if you remember, there were frantic attempts to try and drill and go here and go there and move in this heavy machinery, and the reporters were there constantly. Their families were there. And so people all around the world began to pray and to donate and were trying to help. Uh, Unfortunately, the happiest part of this story is also the saddest. The drill finally penetrates, and they're able to get this conduit so that they can send supplies down, food, water, iPads. And then for the first time, they realize they're going to be saved. But then they also start hearing that they're going to be famous. And in addition to being famous, that they're going to be rich. There's going to be book deals and movie deals the mining company. They'll be set for life. And then the confessing stops. The praying stops. The lure of money and fame undoes the, uh, undoes the transformative community that had been developed in their shared suffering. They were at their best when life was at its worst. In the deep, dark The deep down dark is the place where you realize you can't do it on your own. We try and we try and we try and finally we get to that moment where God is the only hope. And it takes many of us a while to get there. So the reality of our world and our lives is that we are in darkness. Denying it doesn't really help. Confessing and admitting, I think, is a good start. So during this season of Advent, we pause to take stock of our world and our lives that are covered in darkness and plagued by sin and violence and injustice. We acknowledge that things out there are not the way they're supposed to be, but we also acknowledge that things in here are not the way they're supposed to be. And if we're going to be saved, it's going to have to be from outside. I can't. As much as I try and as much as I uh, uh, attempt, I can't fix myself. Self-help is probably one of the biggest lies that we've perpetrated on humankind. And that's the good news. You don't have to fix yourself. You can't. And that's why Jesus chose to, and God chose to bring his light to those who are in darkness. It's only when we're in the darkness that we can even see and appreciate the light. You know, Scripture plays with this dark and light theme quite a bit. And I didn't look through every single time light appears, but almost every time, at least in the instances that I saw, Every time light appears, it is preceded by darkness. You won't get light until you pass through darkness, whatever that might look like. And so at Advent, we're waiting. We're waiting in the dark, waiting for Jesus and his light to appear, And it's kind of like our text for this morning in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and following. Isaiah writes, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Isaiah was writing to the northern kingdom that was about to get destroyed by the armies of Assyria. They were frantic, they were desperate, they were crying out to God. And God gives them this message of hope in Isaiah chapter 9. And he says that once they see this light, and if they will turn to the light and follow this light, then their joy will be like having a bumper crop that you can never imagine. Or it would be the joy of the conquering army coming in and sharing all of its goods. It would be the joy of melting down your armaments into useful farm instruments and the joy of burning your military uniform to never have to wear those stripes and those boots because there will be peace. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel For the fire. And so the question that the Israelites had was how is God going to make this happen? How is He going to bring about this joy and this peace and this freedom from oppression? And He says it's all going to happen through a child. For a child is born unto us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on His shoulders, and He will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The answer to everything that's ever terrorized and traumatized us, the answer to anything that's ever caused darkness in our lives is Jesus. Because he brings light. And while the Israelites thought that the way to deal with the bullies of Assyria is for God to send an even bigger bully, God sends the lamb, the humble, suffering servant. And you look at Jesus, wonderful counselor, better advice than any counselor you've ever dreamed of going here on earth. Mighty God, he's strong enough that you can hide behind him and he will vanquish whatever enemy is lurking in your life. Everlasting Father, his love as a father for us does not end. Prince of Peace. Not only does he create peace in the world around us, but he creates peace within us. He will be a king of unparalleled clemency, mercy, and grace. And while this darkness seemed impenetrable, the promise of God is that his light will shine through and push the darkness away like the ocean was pushed away so Moses and his people could walk through. When God made the world, it began with darkness until he said, let there be light. Joseph was almost overcome with darkness when he realized that his bride-to-be was pregnant by... and the kid wasn't his. And he thought about divorcing Maria. The shepherds were in darkness sleeping and taking care of their flock when the angels appeared in the heavens above them and they were treated to this celestial chorus. The Magi, the magi, the wise men, were guided by a star, which meant, if you think about it, that they traveled at night. They weren't following the sun. <laughs> they were following a star, which you could only see at night. In every one of these examples... Before they got to Jesus, and before Jesus was born, they were surrounded by darkness. And we believe, we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the darkness will eventually give way to light. The same way that we don't doubt that tomorrow morning the sun will rise... And we don't doubt that the sun will shine and it might be covered up by clouds that we don't have a questionable, a question of doubt, even in the smallest degree. And we are planning our lives around that certainty. And in that same way, we know that Jesus' light will push away the darkness. I, I came across a... Um, a Christian group that I really like um, called The Brilliance. I don't know if any of you, if maybe some of you folks on this side of the, uh, of the auditorium might have heard about it. No no offense, but, well, some of you know, the young people. Elena never. <clears throat> the Brilliance. They have a very unique sound. And one of their songs is, May You Find a Light. I encourage you to look it up on YouTube after the assembly is over and listen to it. The lyrics go like this, lost and weary traveler searching for the way to go, stranger, heavy-hearted, longing for someone to know. May you find a light, may you find a light to guide you home. There are weary travelers searching everywhere you go, strangers who are searching, longing deeply to be known. May you find a light. May you find a light to guide you home. A light shone down on us. A star above shines bright. A light shines bright. My reading of the lyrics did not even do the slightest bit of justice to the power of this song. But I think it describes where we live and so for Christians throughout the world, Advent is a time. Go ahead and jump to the end. Advent is the time where we are waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And rather than spending our time frantically shopping, frantically baking, frantically doing whatever it is we typically do, Scripture suggests that we take a pause to reflect on the darkness that we have around us so that we can truly appreciate the light when it arrives. Advent anticipates the coming of Christ as a baby born in Bethlehem. It also anticipates the time when Jesus will return in the second coming. The third use of the word is actually the oldest. And I didn't know this, but it was just amazing. The third use of the word Advent was for that time when converts were preparing and readying themselves for baptism. The year 300, a person had recognized that they were surrounded by darkness and needed and wanted Jesus' light to shine in them. And as they were preparing to receive that light, they were in Advent. They were waiting for his coming. And so we wait. We don't wait without hope. We don't wait alone. If there's a way that we can alleviate the pain and bring a little light into one of our brothers and sisters or families' lives, that's what we're about. We look forward to Jesus' work, his transformative work in our heart. Is there a way that we can pray with you today? Pray to... Allow the light of God to shine in your life. Is there a way we can help you further down that journey? We'd be honored to do so. Uh, Invite you to come to the front as we stand and sing. Come.